Welcome back to the Call Game Podcast. In today's episode, we'll be starting with NFL trades, signings, quarterbacks on the move. We'll follow that with my process for the Red Sox this offseason and Lewis's process for how the Yankees are going to become relevant again. That'll be followed by wow. winners and losers, and we'll finish it off with NBA and Celtics talk. I'm just going to ignore that jab and <laughs> start us a off. jab to start off the episode. Irrelevant? Come on. You ha- you still have nightmares about become relevant. Giancarlo Stanton. Um, all right. Let's, blast. let's start it off with the NFL. Um the biggest news, I guess I would say, just because of the like all the change that it created, was the Russell Wilson trade to the Broncos. Why don't you run us through the details on that? So Denver receives Russell Wilson in a fourth-round pick, 2022. Seattle receives Drew Locke, no fan, Shelby Harris, two first-round picks, 22 and 23, and a 2022 fifth-round pick. So those are the details. Um, my oh, initial, initial thoughts. thoughts. There you go. <laughs> um, I feel like I, for some reason, I'm not like that confident in Wilson anymore. He's kind of old. The Seahawks weren't that good last year. Obviously, he was hurt, but I felt like when he was there, they still weren't that amazing. And it's a lot to give up. Um, I have a. I guess I can't really fault the Broncos because you have to, you can't just do this thing where you like every year you're the sleeper because you have a good defense and good receivers, but like you have no quarterback. So like eventually you have to make a move and Russell Wilson, like bottom line, he's a good quarterback. He might not be the same star that he once was, but he's going to be better than whatever other options they had. So I think it's a good move. I think they gave up a lot. I think the Seahawks could like build around what they got back, especially because they already have some good pieces. Um, but I guess it's it's a decent trade from from both sides. I would say. Yeah, this trade's pretty layered in my opinion. Like, obviously, the big one is Russell Wilson's play last year. Like you said, he's been injured, but also I think that Seahawks team was kind of just destined to be done. I like their yeah. coach. Uh, what's his name again? Help me out here. Pete Carroll. Yeah, Pete Carroll seems like he's on his last legs on that team. It seems like towards the end of the Russell Wilson era, he was making some interesting decisions. The Jamal Adams trades didn't really pan out the way they had hoped. The defense hasn't been anything close to what it was during the Legion of Boom. There's been so many articles written about ever since Wilson threw that goal line pick, what that team's been like. And it just like, it was time for that to, uh relationship to kind of be broken up which is why i wouldn't be surprised at all if the, he kind of becomes rejuvenated by a new team and starts playing like the russell wilson of old and when i say of old it's really just a year ago so like i said i wouldn't be shocked at all if he starts lighting it up in denver one thing that does concern me about his play is i can uh make excuses for most of his throws that he missed some easy ones based on a finger injury but he hasn't been scrambling when he did play. He didn't scramble as much, which definitely comes with aging. So if he doesn't scramble like he did in Seattle, he's going to be a different quarterback. But like you said, if you're the Broncos, you can't be the team that's a quarterback away for three years. So at some point, you have to get the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, what you said about scrambling was key. Like you always see with guys that are so dependent on their legs when they don't scramble. It's just they're instantly so much easier to stop. And whether it's like injuries or just age in Wilson's case, that's always a huge issue. So that's definitely something to watch for, but there's really no way to know right now how that will play out during the season. So you could still say he's – I mean, I don't have like my top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL right in front of me right now, but he's not probably top five anymore. But he's definitely better than um, league average, so he'll help them out. But they gave up a lot for... I mean, it depends on your opinion on Wilson. If you think he's like slightly better than average, they gave up probably too much. If you think he's like a superstar still and like 
if not top five, close to top five, then it's probably an appropriate package. But it all depends on what you think of Wilson. I think he's getting old, and it was probably a little too much. But at the same time, I understand it from the Broncos' side. I'm probably leaning towards the camp that he's like top 10 still. Probably that like 7 to 10 range, maybe pushing 11 or 12. And that this is probably a fair... Technical right, difficulties we had some technical there. Difficulties. Yeah, we're back though. I think I was talking about how I believe Russell Wilson's in that kind of 5 to 11, 12 range of quarterbacks in the sleep. I think that injuries really hurt him last year, and this is probably a fair package for him, but probably leaning more to the overpay side than like a bargain of a deal side, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I think that the Broncos had... I thought they were going to have to give up Patrick Zertan, their star young cornerback. They probably could have and saved themselves some picks or no fan, but they went with the picks, heavy pick route. And they also got a lot of prospects. Like, no offense, a good young tight end. Right. I can't imagine Drew Locke will be anything, but maybe gives you a bridge a year while they look for a replacement, Russell Wilson. But uh, what this really does is create the most interesting division in football. Totally. I mean, you look through the division, it's just stacked with quarterbacks. You have the Broncos with Russell Wilson, Chargers with Herbert, Raiders, you got Carr. And the Chiefs, who obviously have Patrick Mahomes. So, I mean, one through four, I couldn't tell you how that division's going to look. It's pretty tightly packed and definitely one that people will be looking at all season. It'll be interesting to see if, like, some of those teams cancel each other out. Like, mm-hmm. they're just going to be beating up on each other all year. Will anyone be able to get a wild card spot? Or will they just be, like, the division winner coming out of there and everyone else kind of cancels each other out? Yeah. I'd, I mean, it's pretty crazy to think. I mean, we've said that Wilson is in decline, but he's, I'd say, probably the third best quarterback in that division. Yeah. So. Which is crazy. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And it's also crazy to say that Derek Carr is the worst quarterback in a division. Yeah. That you probably don't see much. Have any other thoughts on the Wilson trade? Um, I do not. All right, so let's segue into a team that they'll be playing a lot next year, the Chargers, who made a surprise move that I didn't hear any really rumors about. Like, obviously, you heard rumors about Wilson for a while now, but it seemed like kind of out of left field, Khalil Mack gets traded to the Chargers from the Bears. Yep, he was traded for a second-round pick and a sixth-round pick. This is pretty clearly like a bit of a salary dump for the Bears. I think they're... Um, in a rebuild, they have a young quarterback. I think they're just being like realistic with what they're going to be, and they don't feel like paying Khalil Mack a ton of money. And I think the Chargers are looking at it like we have cap space. Like make It's kind of like a free agent signing, although a second-round pick is no joke. But for a guy like Khalil Mack, I but think still, it's yeah. definitely worth it. Definitely a small package. The um, – Salary plays a huge part in this, obviously. Um, the char- Yeah, it's a good move for the Chargers, in my opinion. He is old. Like, I haven't heard his name come up as much. Like, there was one point where he was, like, the name for defense in the NFL. But he's definitely still a star. So, it, um, it'll help the Chargers for sure. They have him and Bosa now. That's pretty tough to stop. Yeah. So he's 31, so he is getting up there in age. But uh, I think what I mean, I mentioned this before on the podcast. I mention it a lot, and it won't be the last time I mention it about star quarterbacks. And when they're on their rookie deal, you got to go out and spend and make a push because once they get that big contract, it's hard to build around them. And uh, Herbert's still on that rookie contract, so you can pay guys like Mac. And that's what I hope the Patriots do. Uh, with a receiver, go out and kind of splurge on a receiver because you're not paying Mac Jones anything. So from the Chargers' point of view, you got to kind of go out and make a push for some big names while you're not paying Herbert anything before he gets his $30 million contract a year or whatever he's going to get. So quarterbacks are just going to keep getting more and more expensive. 
And when they're on their rookie contracts, you got to capitalize. And I think that's what, what they are doing with this move. Yeah. I mean, my f- it's not even my first reaction just because I felt like I already knew this before this trade. But the Chargers are undisputedly going to be the like hot team that everyone's like, oh, they didn't even make the playoffs this year, but I have them winning the Super Bowl, and here's why. Mm-hmm. Like, this... It's just such a layup. Like, everyone is going to be on the Chargers, and I guess deservedly so. Like, it's the Mahomes-Josh Allen thing where, like, they have a good year, and then you project the breakout. And I feel like it was kind of a thing with Kyler Murray, but it didn't pan out the same as it did with the other two guys. I'm just preparing everyone for the Chargers um, being the hot team this offseason. I would guarantee. I've always kind of, I've always kind of liked the Chargers, but right. I don't like the names of like or the teams and players that like are constantly in the media's eye, like the Lamelos and the Joe Burrows of the world. So I can definitely see myself becoming a Chargers hater quicker than I would expect. Mm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think your project predictions right on. They are definitely going to be the hot commodity with the quarterback who can sling it and some huge names. I mean, you just go down the roster, Derwin James, uh, Allen, Williams, Mike Williams. Like they got some receivers. They got the quarterback. They got the D line, the uh, safeties, the cornerbacks. I mean, they've got all the sexy positions. Like no one cares about their O lineman that they drafted last year. Who's actually really good, but you're going to hear about the, but that'll get the nerds secondary. Too. So like, right. You got everyone. Yeah, you got everyone. You got the nerds, you got the bandwagons, you got the casuals, you got the diehards. So actually, you don't really have the diehards because they don't have a home right, crowd true. yet. That's the only thing they're missing. All right. Very uh, true. Some more. We'll talk about Rodgers, but some more notes. Amari Cooper to the Browns, possibly, most likely leaving Jarvis Landry to be cut. Bobby Wagner was cut, and Carson Wentz to the Washington Commanders leaving a quarterback job open in Indianapolis. So out of those, and obviously the Rodgers, kind of go where you want, if you will. Just All fly right. around. So my Amari Cooper, my reaction to that is, like, it's a guy who's, like, pretty good to a team that's, like, pretty good. Like, it's like a whatever player to a whatever team, if I'm going to be harsh. Um, I don't really believe that. I don't really believe in the Browns right now because of Baker and Amari Cooper is like good, but I don't really have any reason to care about Amari Cooper. Carson Wentz, I don't know. I mean, he's not that great. The Washington Commanders have some interesting pieces, but I'm not totally sure that he's going to be better than like Heineke or Fitzpatrick, who they had the past few years. So I don't really see them getting much better especially if the Cowboys can like be consistent and the Eagles were pretty good this year like I I don't think that really moves the needle for them in that division um what were, is that all the moves that you mentioned uh we can get into the Rodgers, oh, Rodgers but also right. yeah go ahead on Rodgers I mean I don't know I Four years being like I think it was the highest paid per year, like in history. That's gonna look bad when it's the fourth year of the deal, but I guess it's worth it. In this day and age, quarterbacks are getting overpaid for in trades and um in free agency, so to a level where it's like not overpaying because it's so important. He's still I mean, he's coming off the MVP, he's still like top three to five depending on where you rank him you might have him number one you might have him number six but he's one of the best in the league um and you kind of have to do this if you're the Packers it would be kind of stupid to let him walk in my opinion but yeah all this all the drama with it annoys me but they did it ended up how I pretty much thought it would yeah I mean he used his leverage to a T Made yeah, he the, did a good job. Made the Packers make him the most expensive quarterback in the NFL. Uh, they're going to have no money to sign other people. I mean, I'm going to 
maybe they franchise tag Devonte, but I mean they're gonna have a worse roster for sure next year. But I mean, you can't really just let Aaron Rodgers go. Yeah, I mean he just won the MVP, like you said. You kind of have to do it. I, I mean, Jordan Love didn't really turn out to be what they thought, I guess, or else they would have just moved on from Rodgers, or Rodgers didn't regress like they thought he would. I think they tried to get a little too cute with doing the Rodgers, the Favre to Rodgers to Rodgers to Love. They they did it once. They tried to do it again, and this time it didn't work out. But, uh, yeah, they bring back the MVP. Amari Cooper, I don't care. He's making too much. Didn't really play that well last year. Maybe Baker will... I don't know, bring him back to his former glory, but Baker Mayfield from Dak Prescott, I don't see how your numbers could go up too much. Carson Wentz to the Commanders, it'll leave some interesting games against Philadelphia, I guess. Hurts versus Wentz. That's really the only interesting thing. You heard all these reports about the Commanders are making a strong push to get a star quarterback, Rodgers, Wilson, they get Carson Wentz. So, Commanders, new franchise. Well, not a new franchise. New title of a franchise. Off to a rough start. But uh, more interesting for me is that the Indianapolis vacancy at quarterback because I feel like that's another team we've been saying just needs a quarterback for exactly, a few years yeah. now. They kind of had two bridge quarterbacks back-to-back with Rivers and Wentz. So, come on, give me your... Uh, starter for at QB for the Colts next year Jameis Winston oh I like that that's a good I don't know if it moves the needle that much but that division I mean the Titans were the one seed but who believes they weren't the that Titans? convincing in the playoffs so I don't know I mean you could argue that Jameis Winston would be the best quarterback in you'd that get division. the job done I mean the Texans and Jaguars are irrelevant yeah Unless Trevor Lawrence becomes good, but yeah. that doesn't seem that likely. He had one good game, and the Titans are good, but running backs don't last, and they're very dependent on Derrick Henry, and time. Ryan Tannehill was trash in the playoffs. So, I don't know. Winston has upside. Yeah, I like the Winston. Winston. I didn't. That wouldn't even come to my, uh, come to have my mind, but the fact you threw that out there was a good one. That's a. I think that's very possible. I mean, Maybe Deshaun Watson. The, yeah, I was going to bring yeah, that up in Winners and Losers. Cleared of charges. Watson. <laughs> yep, cleared in charges somehow. He's, he's going to go to the Steelers because okay. they just love to have guys that are bad to <laughs> so win. Suspect quarterbacks with yeah. the law. <laughs> they love shady quarterback play. Someone like uh, doctored the quote and like twisted it around in some way. But like I think the Steelers GM at some point said that like, Deshaun Watson doesn't fit their culture or something and someone said like that quote and then under it they said like Steelers GM after Deshaun Watson is cleared of charges and I thought yeah (laughs) but I hope I yeah I assume that that was fake I was listening to this crazy thing like so that wasn't like actually like court court that was like a thing before court where people decide if the case was worthy to go to court so they said it wasn't even worthy of going to court. That's so and the guys I was listening to, it was a crazy stat. Like 90 plus percent of those cases do end up going to court because they just, the jury or whatever the people who are looking at it just need to find like the slightest bit of reason or doubt to send them to court. Like in order to not send them to court, you have to be like 200% sure because worst case scenario, you just send the case to court, then they figure it out. So extremely lucky on the camp for the camp of Deshaun Watson I mean no one saw this coming it looked bad for him it looked really bad yeah uh I wonder if more notes more notes from the NFL Gronk to the Bills and the one I was about to say just escaped my mind but Gronk to the Bills in terms of being a Patriots fan that sucks I'm gonna have to watch him twice a year playing on our rivals, even though he used to be on the Patriots, obviously that just kind of stinks. And the Patriots fans' view. You want my take? I bet you he sure. will never play against the Patriots. I bet he'll be hurt 
and then like retire in week two. It's probably good. I think he has one more year. Uh, this is the last year. I think this is his ring chase, kind of Shaquille O'Neal on the Celtics type yeah. deal. And uh, he's probably on his way out after this. This, is, I mean, the Bills are the only team that I could think of that isn't Tom Brady or the Patriots. That would make sense just because of the like yeah. Bills mafia. And I don't know. It just makes sense with Gronk. All right. Uh, is that all we got on the NFL? That's all I got. All right. As well. So we're going to kind of transition into, well, I can't just say transition into. It needs a bigger entrance than that. MLB is back. The lockout's over. The CBA has been agreed upon for the next five years, and then we can do this all over again. But baseball is back. Free agency has started. It was supposed to be like, all right, the deal's done. We're going to get the craziest 48 hours of MLB free agency ever. I thought these teams were just tampering through the whole lockout, and like 10 minutes after, you would see Carlos Correa to the Yankees, and you'd be like, oh, well, they were tampering all that'll be That'll be tomorrow. And I thought that was going to happen, but it's been actually really slow, which has kind of killed it because everyone was kind of hyped for baseball being back, and then Wilson gets traded, so and then football's in the spotlight again. But uh, before we do our little game, uh, what, just initial thoughts once again. Initial thoughts on baseball being back in action. Spring training 30 days away. Or opening day 30 yeah. days away. Spring training I mean, starts tomorrow. I'm obviously happy about it. I'm excited to see. or I'm, ex- I'm excited to be disappointed that the Yankees don't sign anybody again. Um, and it's crazy that spring training is like now. And yeah, they're getting into it. I would think that even though free agency didn't like go crazy immediately, I still think it'll heat up quick because players aren't going to want to be joining their new teams like on opening day. They're going to want to um, try to get some spring training in. So I don't know. I'm excited for the time in between now and opening day, and I'm excited for the season to start. As well, real quick. Mitch Garver traded to the Twins. You say Kikuchi to the Blue nice Jays job. on a signing. Chris Bassett to the Mets. W- Kelly to those White Sox. Rondon to the Giants. Kershaw back to the Dodgers. And that's the moves so far. But all right, into our little game, we're going to play Lewis, avid, open Yankees fan. Me, diehard Red Sox fan. We're going to go through kind of if we were the GM of these teams, if you were Brian Cashman, I was Hein Bloom, what would we do to bring our teams to the championship stage and win a World Series? So I'll have you start it off. Give me, give me your however many step plan to bring the Yankees back into title contention. All right. The Yankees have a good roster. They're a little shallow, but the some things that happened last year kind of like made it clear what they need to do. Glaber had a kind of have a. I'm not gonna say kind of. He had a tough year. Um, they moved him. He's always been good in the playoffs. He's terrible. So I'm not sure if he was better in the playoffs because he's just better in the playoffs, or if it was because they moved him back to second base, which they did, and they were. Um, using DJ as a utility guy, putting him at third, putting him at first. Um, But I think it's pretty clear. There's been some quotes from everybody who's important with the Yankees that, like, he's going to be playing second base. So you're going to have Gio at third, Glaber at second, DJ probably at first, although stuff will move around. Maybe you put Gio at short. short. Um, I believe so. He is, I feel like if it was the NBA, he would have already been traded and he would have already requested a trade because it's slightly disrespectful how he led the MLB in home runs in the shortened season and then like the Yankees front office is like openly talking about how they wanted to improve first base and they like signed Rizzo, Yeah, which... I don't know. I've always thought that they didn't they're not giving Voigt like enough run, but at the same time, I don't know, I wouldn't mind getting Freddie Freeman. So yeah. That 
brings me to the first step, which I'm not going to actually say because it's like step zero. We're not counting it because it's probably not going to happen. He's either going to like go to the Dodgers on some ridiculous like three-year, $300 million deal or um, just go back to the Braves, which would probably make the most sense. Matt Olson is a guy that they've talked about a lot. Um, they've been connected to Correa just kind of because they're the Yankees and he's the biggest name out there. I don't know. It's hard to tell how much they actually are in on it. The one encouraging thing that happened today, Andrelton Simmons signed with the Cubs. The Cubs were the other yep. main team that oh, was connected yeah. to him. So that would suggest that there's now a higher chance the Yankees get Correa. I also saw reports that the Cubs might just also try to get Correa and do kind of like what the Rangers did. They got Semyon and Seager. I forgot about that. That's so it's it's unclear what's going to happen with Correa. I've seen so many like mixed messages like, oh, the Yankees are in on Correa or like they haven't even talked to the Correa's camp and they're like fully focused on a Matt Olson trade. So I really don't know what they're going to do. My... I feel like, honestly, they're not focusing on catcher at all, and it's a very um, weak position in the MLB. Like, there's not a lot of catchers out there. But I don't feel good about the Gary Sanchez, Kyle Higashioka platoon for another year. The infield, they have these guys, and if they get Correa, I'm concerned, like, who's, who's out? Like, I know someone will probably get hurt, so it won't matter, but, like, I want Gio to play. I want Glaber to play. I want DJ to play. I want whoever they get to play. And then you, that's not mentioning Voight. Like, and they have young guy, good young guys. So like coming up. Um, so they need to get, I think, like an infielder. Like um, here. So they either need to get an infielder or an outfielder. They're too weak. They have Gallo and Judge, who I think will be solid. And they have yeah. Stanton, but I think he'll be DHing for the regular season. Um, Is Hicks coming back? I hope not. I hate him, but <laughs> he should be coming yeah. back. They, he's one of the, the Yankees are so infuriating with like who they value. Like Brett Gardner played so goddamn much, and it infuriated me. And Hicks will just be in center field every day if he's back. What I want them to do is play Florial. It's kind of a deep cut, unless you're a Yankees fan. He's yeah, that went over my head. Good prospect. He's 24 now. I mean, you would think that one of your top prospects when they turn 24, you'd want to be thinking about playing them. So I would either play him or play one of the shortstop prospects and then try to fill in the other hole in free agency. But other than that, they have a lot of good hitting. Like, they just need to figure out where to play guys. And then the pitching... They also have good pitching, but they need more depth. They have a good bullpen, so I would leave that be. But I would not mind another starter. They have Cole. Um, so it's Cole, like Domingo Herman, Nestor Cortez, Yikes. Luis <laughs> Heal. Hey, do you need to? Do I need? Uh, that wasn't in order. Do I need to pull up the stats <laughs> though? He was I don't, I don't two point nine ERA last year, one point oh eight WHIP. More over a strikeout per inning. Don't Nestor, hate on Nestor Cortez. Luis Heal is a good young guy. I'm optimistic. Michael King is a good young guy, but they he's good. Jordan Montgomery, like he they the have Jamison Tyon. Luis Severino will be back. They have guys, but I would like another like solid guy that when they throw him out there, you can just be like, all right, he's might not throw a perfect game, but he's not gonna get shelled. So. I would like to add a pitcher, but they just need they need to add like one bat and one pitcher, I think, and they just need to get good seasons out of guys. They've been underperforming every year. Like three of their main guys just suck for no reason. So I, they have a foundation, and it would be nice to get like Freddie Freeman or Carlos Correa, but they just need their guys to be good. All right, well, that was – more reserved than I thought. I definitely thought we were going to get the Carlos Correa right off the bat. The other, and, I mean, uh, Matt if, he, if I didn't hate Carlos Correa, I would be right. more of a proponent for getting him. 
Yeah. Like, if he's not good in the first three games with the Yankees, if they sign him, he's going to be, like, the most hated. He's gonna. It's going to be like A-Rod. Yeah, that's a good comparison, actually. All right. I'm going to be a little more fantasy-esque with my rebuild of the Red Sox. A little more uh, ambitious, if you will. But uh, also, I left out a key stat before you started talking so I could capitalize it, and you couldn't. The salary cap and the luxury tax line went way up, so every team has a ton of money to spend. I think the Red Sox have like 70 or $80 million in cap space with their people who are up for extensions or new contracts. So they got money to play with, which means I can kind of go out on all in. So the first move that I think we're going to hear gets done in the next three to four days is Suzuki from the Korean or Japanese League comes to the Red Sox. He's kind of the hot international commodity right now who the Red Sox have been linked to. He's the only team that the Reds, that Suzuki follows on Instagram is the Red Sox. And uh, we know that Instagram these days tells all about where a player's going to land. So we get Suzuki. He's an outfielder, huge power bat. Look up his highlights on YouTube. It, I could watch those all day. Against, he just like college pitching, but okay. So we, we get the next Ichiro Suzuki. And then we move on from there. So now I'm trying to think. We have Jackie Bradley, who we traded for in center. Alex Verdugo in left. Suzuki plays... Our outfield's a little suspect, I'm not going to lie. We also got Kike out there. But here's where it gets kind of fun. We have a weird hole at second base because Christian Arroyo kind of stinks. I mean, he's fun. He's like a fan favorite, but if we're being honest, like... He was kind of a black hole in that playoff lineup. And this is the kind of pipe dream I've heard. But it's not really pipe dream based on the reports I've been hearing. So I'll just say it, then I'll break it down. Trevor Story at short, Xander to second. Oh! <laughs> yeah. So Trevor Story, we're not going to pay him the big 10-year deal. Be- but guess what we're going to do? It's just so perfect if this happens. So Story's going to go out onto the market looking for a record-breaking deal. He doesn't get it. He's got to settle for like a three- to two-year deal. Who comes calling? The Red Sox. We'll just pay him a ton of upfront money for two years, kind of like what the Dodgers did with Bauer. We'll play him at short. Xander moves to second. Xander's not good defensively, so that improves us significantly. Story's ten times a better defender than he is. Story at short. Xander at second. Xander is on needs a contract renewal. We don't give it to him next year, or we do, and he's going to have to become a DH in a few years. So it's going to be an interesting juggling game of if we want to sign Bogarts because then he becomes a DH and less valuable. So what I am proposing is we get Story for like two to three years Bogarts plays his final middle infield years with the Red Sox before going elsewhere once he becomes not infield worthy. And then, hopefully by then, our number four overall draft pick, Marcelo Myers, is ready to kind of take the mantle because he's supposed to be the next big thing, but he's out of high school, so he's quite a few years away. So that's the pipe dream. We got Rafi at third. At first, we got Bobby Dahlbeck. But at the All-Star game, Tristan Cassis is coming up. One of the top prospects in the MLB right now. He played on in the on the Olympics team, lit it up. He's going to play first probably towards the end of the season. Huge lefty power hitter. I'm out on then him. we have Vasquez behind the plate. Then our rotation has kind of the potential to be good. We, this is where we need the most help. So I'm I'm making the guess that sales more sale-esque so we got sale he's gonna have a lot more time off of tommy john sale of valdi if sale can be like close to what he was 2018 that one two punch of sale and and valdi is gonna be really good sale of valdi nick pavetta nicky smooches and then tanner hauk i think he could have a breakout year I think we need a three, a three starter, because I think ideally it's Sale, Avaldi. We need a three, 
Pavetta 4, Hauk 5, or Hauk 4, Pavetta 5. We need that three starter, kind of what Erod was, just kind of your rock. Goes out there, eats up innings. We signed Rich Hill and Michael Waka. We're slowly becoming the Rays, which I hate with Heim, where we just get a bunch of guys. And just that, we eat up innings that way. We're going to need some bullpen help. Hopefully Matt Barnes get back to what he was. Whitlock, huge breakout year last year. But, uh, yeah, we don't need much. I mean, like everyone saw, we went to the ALCS last year. And if our offense didn't go ice cold and we blew game four, we would have had a 3-1 lead. So we're not too far away. I think we just need to help the pitching out a little bit and maybe even a little splash signing with Trevor Story. That's the pipe dream, but I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked. On paper, I'd like Trevor Story for the Yankees, but he's... I don't know if he's good enough to like not fail like every other guy that the Yankees sign. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's a bar of like greatness that you have to be to have, like to be a good guy on the Yankees. Like so many guys that are like, oh, that guy's pretty good. Just suck on the Yankees. Like Sonny Gray comes to mind. Um, so I'm scared that they're going to like pay $275 million for him and then he's going to be bad. But that would be a good guy for the Yankees, too. Um, All of this is very, I don't want to say irrelevant. That's the wrong word. I think the Blue Jays are going to win the division. Um, Whoa, they're pretty stacked. Dude, their roster's ridiculous. They have pitching-ish. I mean, they don't have a Garrett Cole, but other than that, their pitching is, like, right up there. Who is it, Gosman? They, all right. They Kuchi. got Kikuchi. Kikuchi was an all-star, by the way, for yeah. those of you that don't yeah, know he who was. he is. But he didn't um, sign for a lot. It was like a cheap deal. They have him. They have Ryu. They have um, oh, yeah. Alec Manoa, who's a good young guy. They have, um, who are the, who's the guy you mentioned? Kikuchi. Oh, yeah. They Gosman. Have, so, Gosman, Kikuchi, Sayang, Ryu. Sayang. I think. Uh, maybe at some point. Barrios. Last year, I thought. Oh, Barrios. Dude, they are filthy. And they have another guy who's like been a pitcher, but then they also have Nate Pearson, who's also kind of a deep cut. He's like young, but he throws hard. Like he's one of these starters that just like sits 100. Yeah. Um, so they definitely have upside on the pitching side. And then they're hitting. We all know about their hitting. So I'm very scared of the Blue Jays. I'm the le- big thing I'm, that they haven't I'm less addressed. less scared of the Red Sox than the Blue Jays, honestly. Really? Yeah. The big thing they haven't addressed is the bullpen. The bullpen lost them a ridiculous like, right. amount That's of games. True. That's fair. And they haven't addressed it. But, I mean, you look at the star power they have. George Springer's going to have a full season with them. I even forgot he was on the team until I just realized... I mean, they lost Semyon, which will get rid of some of the offensive power, but they have enough guys to pick up the slack. I mean, their rotation is just filthy. They have two all-stars. Barrios is no slouch. He, I thought he would be good on the Red Sox as that kind of three-starter. But uh, they extended him, too. They're dishing out cash. They're making a push. And it's going to be a reason why the American League East is going to be the most competitive division in baseball. And I think mm. we can both agree... AL West is pretty, or NL West is pretty good. Yeah, it is. But I mean, when you talk about like win now, win now and in the future, you got the Rays who will be good always. The Red Sox and Yankees are good now. Rays, yeah, totally. They're good now, and they both have top ten farm systems where you just have studs coming up the pipeline. And then you got the Blue Jays who are the hot up and coming team. And people forget. The oh, Orioles have the been race. drafting guys for the last 10 years. They're going to have a good team eventually. They're going to... It doesn't matter how long. They're going to get one eventually. At that but, point, uh, all the best players on the teams now will be, like, retired. But it'll happen. Yeah. It'll happen. The Astros approach. The tanking in baseball. But, uh, yeah. That's our MLB outlook. I want to check if there's any signings within the Trevor Story. Went to the Red Sox yet? No, he hasn't. Just a matter of time, though. Has that been, like, reported on at all, or is this just a complete pipe dream? It's been reported because 
the idea is Trevor Story, like I said, look, looks for a huge deal, doesn't get it, and signs just a like a really big Yankees could do two year, two two to three year deal. deal, right? And Correa has been linked too, but I can't mention him because I hate him with a passion. Yep. Um. All right. Is that all we got for MLB? I believe so. Winners and losers. I would love to. Um, my first winner, LeBron James. He's had 50 points twice since we've done our last episode, I believe. I may have said that I believe in the Lakers a little bit, not a lot, but <laughs> a little bit that. because of LeBron James being also one of the best of the players Rockets. of all time. Yeah, but that doesn't count. <laughs> um, so just wanted that to be put out there. I think LeBron could do this for like a series against like... I don't know, the Jazz or something. But I still don't think they're going to win the championship. But he's definitely a winner for this week. All right, my first winner, I'll jump on it before you do. Greg Popovich is the most is the winning winningest coach in NBA history. Surpasses some old guy for uh the most wins in NBA history. Congratulations, Greg Popovich. Oh, that's a good one. Um my next winner, Jason Tatum. I don't JT. know which week it was, but he was JT. player of the week at some point. He Last had week. two games in a row with, I think, was it 54 and, oh, fuck, what was it? He had 44, 44 and, and 50, 50 something. It wasn't It was a combined total. 98 points. Yeah, so. all right, 54 and 44. Yeah. I've been saying the Celtics are good, but they need Tatum to go up like another level. You did be say really that. Good, and he kind of has. I still don't know if they're good enough to win the championship, but he has gone up a level, and that's very exciting. He's a winner for this week. He was actually the only player to score to have two fifty-point games this season until LeBron did it. So wow, LeBron joining some elite company, greatest scorer of all time. Company. Oh, another thing you mentioned about Tatum, he has the same amount of fifty-point games as Larry Bird already. Yeah, and he's 24. That's he's going to get the Celtics all-time um, one-game scoring record, I think. He's he already tied is bird. tied with it. Yeah. All right. This winner doesn't really count. I'm just going to say Deshaun Watson. We already talked about him. It doesn't count as a, It counts as a winner, but not an official, official winner. All right. My next winner is going to be Ben Simmons. Mm. He didn't really get booed that much because Cheap. Sixers fans were too busy booing their own team. Uh, he kind of got out of there. Without too much harassment, I mean, they blew out the Sixers, and we'll talk about that later. So he kind of got off a little easy. But, uh, yeah, he's a winner because his team blew out his old former team and uh, makes him look pretty good. Um, my last winner is kind of weak. It's just the MLB is back. And the some of the rule changes were pretty good, I thought. All right, Even my though last they winner. won't be existent until, like, 2023. Yeah, whatever. My last winner is week two, but Paul Pierce was at the Pistons-Celtics games, and he started the wave. It's the only time I've ever seen the wave happen in an NBA game. I was like, is that the wave happening? And I don't know. Paul Pierce acts like he owns the place. He was, like, doing laps around the arena, like, at halftime. Like, he just knows he can do whatever he wants there. He's just having fun. So, yeah, winner, Paul Pierce, I guess. My first loser, James Harden. Um, it was looking real good for him, and then he had a stinker against the Nets, and people were like, "Oh, it was a good game, or like good two good teams." So it's like a playoff atmosphere, or whatever, and that brings up all his failures in the playoffs. So just a tough week for Harden. Yeah, I'm gonna admit I'm weak on the losers this this episode, so I apologize. My first loser was James Harden too. You kind of covered that. He's terrible. His big first. game performances. Come back to bite him once again. But my first winner that is new is going to be the Doc Rivers slash Seth Curry relationship. What did Doc traded his son-in-law? And I think there was a report that came out that like Doc went to Seth Curry's house to say goodbye to his grandkids like before Seth left for Brooklyn. So that's just kind of funny, I think, someone trading his uh, son-in-law. Yeah. That should be noted. My last loser is the AFC West. Other three teams that now also have Russell Wilson in their division. 
um, there's going to be like six tough games immediately for all those teams. Yeah, my last loser is going to be the MLB rule changes. Not the ones you were talking about. I think that's a winner. But the one in specific I was talking about is MLB's going back to extra innings being normal and double really? headers are going to be nine innings, which Wait, I think are both okay. terrible. I don't I think. think the extra innings thing is terrible. I think the double you, header you thing like, is dumb. You like the just no runner on second? I don't like the ghost runner. I think it's dumb. I think for the regular season, I it think just it's okay the for the pace. regular season because we don't need 15 inning games. Exactly, but it's it idiotic the in the playoffs. Well, they don't do it in the playoffs. Well, uh, I don't know. They didn't. It's do just it kind of dumb in general. Like, what if someone has a perfect game going and they stay in for the tenth and then lose on two sacrifices? Like that. That is I such just, an obscure. It's going to happen. That gives no basis to your argument. I just think uh, Ghost Runner is like kickball rules. I don't know. I just, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I feel like just just have ties. I don't know. That's not a bad idea. I don't know. But uh, innings and then it's a tie. That's not a bad idea either. The other one is the. Nine inning doubleheaders. I think the seven inning doubleheaders was pretty enjoyable. The Red Sox had a few, yeah. and I remember one against the Twins. I watched the most baseball I've ever watched in one day. They were in like a nine game winning streak, so I watched both games of the doubleheader, and it was just so much more fast moving. Like no one can watch two nine inning doubleheaders, and that just seems so long. So I don't know. I I would have liked to see those rules stick around for longer. Yep. That's all I have for winners and losers. Same. Some Celtics talk. I don't really have any NBA talk, so I'd be fine with going straight into Celtics. But uh, Yeah. I mean, there's not too really much changed. to add. I feel like they've been in the same place kind of now for two weeks in a row. Yeah, we're, we're, we're chilling. And that is being the greatest team of all time. Yeah, right. So, so Celtics. I mean... They are the greatest team of all time, undisputed. Right now, they're in a good-ass spot. If the season ended today, we are winning the title, and here's why. Right. Okay. We are playing the Bulls. Easy and dub. Bulls. No defense. Jason Tatum will have 50 every single game. Then we play the Heat. Four or five. Yep. That's tricky, but we'll win. It's a little yikes. We'll win. We'll have the best player in the series. We'll win. Jason Tatum mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. the next great Celtic. Okay. Yep. Next, okay. we have either the Sixers, Bucks, or Nets. Yep. Nets, someone will get hurt. Sixers can't win the big one. James Harden sucks. Giannis the and the Bucks. We play them well. That's the only thing. I got we on. match up well. Rob and Al Horford both own Giannis. Yep. And then nobody in the West is really that good, other than the Nets, uh, other than the Suns, but. Whatever, mm, we're gonna win. So, Celtics are pretty good. Um, Jason Tatum is the MVP, and that's all that I yep. have on the Celtics. All right, I'll do a recap of what we last saw. Celtics beat the Nets. Tatum scores fifty-four. Uh, that was an amazing game, game of the year. We beat the Hornets by fourteen points. Uh, I think everyone can stop talking about how good the Hornets are because they are not good. They had a little run, and I think they've come back down to earth, and uh, the Hornets stink. Then we beat the Pistons, who turn out to be the greatest team of all time when they play the Celtics. Another hard, uh-huh. hard-fought game where Tatum scores 31. And uh, three, they are undefeated in the month of March, 5-0. and They're going to play a huge game tomorrow against the Mavericks, the two best defensive teams in the league. Kevin Garnett retirement ceremony, his jersey going in the rafters. And uh, you touched on the big ones. Jason Tatum, greatest player of all time, soon to be the best Celtic of all time. I have a hot take on the Celtics, which I don't know when we want to get into. But uh, first we should probably just talk about the Nets game that we didn't get a chance to talk about. Yeah, it was good. I mean... They looked good. I still don't know if they can win a series against the Nets, but it was encouraging for sure. Other thing is, 
whenever a guy has a big game like Tatum did, it's like, oh, that was great. We beat a good team and Tatum had 50. But do we need Tatum to have 50 for us to beat them is the question that comes up. Um, I don't think the answer is necessarily yes, but that's something you have to ask yourself. I think that anyone saying if there's so many Celtics writers saying Tatum MVP, like no shot. If anyone mentions that, I, I just get so mad. It's like, so like Chris Forberg's like Tatum just put himself in the MVP conversation. It's like he did not, he did not even come close. Why can't people just be okay with him being an All NBA player? Why does we always have to? I mean, you said it. He He's an All Star starter. Yeah, I know. It's like, come on, we don't need to go crazy but uh yeah want want my hot take on the celtics i would love it it's about a player in specific and i've already Can i guess the player a bit oh i know what the player yeah. is you know you know who the player is. i won't so spoil you, your fun so you can do it no no i want you to announce it zach thinks jalen brown sucks that's put a little harsh but uh the premise is there I was going to go in with Jalen Brown's starting to concern me. Yeah, it's fair. I was thinking about coming in with Jalen Brown's a problem, but he's not. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, so I'm going to go in with concerning. Yeah. Jalen Brown, fair. we all know it. He has more turnovers than assists in his entire career. That's a problem. His handle last year was so nice. And I don't know if it's because of his wrist surgery. His handle this year took a step back. Every year, he was getting better, 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 better. Beginning of the year, people were like, who's better, Tatum or Brown? I told those people who said Brown was better that they're idiots yeah, and they should but, stop watching okay. the Celtics. And I'm right. And Logan Vaughn, I told him, you know him. People don't know him in Dubai. <laughs> but the people who, <laughs> who do know him say, I just want to say Logan Vaughn. I was right. I told him so clearly. And I got flack from it. But boy, was I right. All right, anyway. If I had a dollar for every time Jalen Brown put his head down, dribbled into six guys, Jumps turned the, the ball over off his knee, his foot, or threw a pass that was intercepted, I probably would be sitting in a four-story mansion or sitting courtside at the game tomorrow because he does it so frequently. It's just so predictable. Jalen Brown gets the ball at the top. I'm like, here we go. He tries to do some spin move. One arm just launches the ball into the fourth row, and it's like just so predictable. And he's so one dimensional, and it's just so hard to watch Tatum become this playmaker, this championship level player who's blossoming in front of your very eyes. Wow. You got Jalen Brown, you got Jalen Brown, who's been dribbling the ball off of his right foot for the past five years and playing terrible weak side defense and shooting eight for 22 from the field every single night. And whenever you put him alone on with the bench, like you should be able to put Jalen Brown with the bench and be able to command that unit and give Tatum a rest. But we have to play Tatum a ridiculously high amount of minutes, and I think this is a problem with the Celtics, and we could get burnt out because the starters are playing so many minutes. Al Horford's old. He's playing 35 minutes a night. That can't happen. If Jalen Brown can command a bench unit and be an all-star on the bench unit, then we'd be so much better off. Tatum can ride his bike all night long real Celtics fan know, know, knows what I'm talking about when I say that but uh yeah Jalen Brown he's got to take a step forward too I think Tatum's done his job let's see Jalen Brown become a 1B it used to be like a 1A 1B thing but now it's Tatum's the alpha Jalen you're the second banana you got to find your role as the second banana you had your chance Tatum surpassed you he's that guy now I've always thought he was that guy, but now he's convinced everyone else he's that guy. So you've got to find your role as that second guy and stop shooting terribly from the field, dribbling balls off your feet, and falling asleep on defense. Figure it out, Jalen. So I think this is a direct um, result of Tatum going up a level, and it was like, all right, we need that guy who's like going to take us to championships, and it wasn't totally clear if Tatum was going to ever be that. And now that it seems like he is going to be that, now we're like, oh, we need a second option that's good enough to be the second player on a championship team. And it, and Jalen Brown is all of a sudden has a lot more pressure on him. Um, and I don't... 
these issues have been there. Like, I don't know if he's gotten, like, worse. But Tatum just looks so good right now. And his playmaking has gotten better. That it just, they're not, it's an obvious comparison. Because they're just similar players on the same team. Like, the comparison is going to always be there. And Brown just doesn't look that good. Um, so... It's a little unfair, I think, to, like, criticize him too much for just because, like, Tatum is getting so much better, but he definitely needs to improve if he's going to be the second best player on this team, if this team is going to, like, win championships. Am I fair to say, or am I being a Jalen Brown hater, that his turnovers and playmaking is a concern? I mean, it's definitely a concern. He always dribbles into three and then jumps up spins and throws it directly to the other team um which is not great he still improved a lot as a scorer and like it's such a big difference from what it was like it can't all come at once if that makes sense like he was just like a defense only guy when he kind of came into the league and then he was three and d and then he added some game and he doesn't totally know what to do with himself fully on offense, I feel like. Like, he knows how to score. But then when he gets draws two, he doesn't know how to deal with that yet. And I think eventually he probably will know how to deal with that. But so far, he doesn't, and that's an issue. Um, I think it can be game-planned around a little bit if he's just smarter with his drives. Like, sometimes it's really he's really dumb, like... Yeah. I forget. There was one of the Pistons games, and he just went into like three guys and then turn, shot the a turnaround, and it break. was horrible. He got yeah. like double blocked. Yeah. Um. But if he can, he's very gifted, and if he can like be a little smarter with picking his spots, I think it'll be fine. But it's definitely definitely a concern. Excuse me. You're good. Uh. Yeah. I think what you said was was what was interesting was it can't all come at the same time. Like Tatum made a huge leap, so now I'm kind of expecting Brown to follow suit. Maybe that's too much to ask, and this stuff isn't linear. People take two one step back, two step forward. You kind of saw that with Tatum. Hopefully, we see that with Brown. I'm just excited of where the team is going. The best team in the East since some like a little bit before the break. They've pretty much been the best team in the league for a third of a season now, so consistency is starting to come. They've won like 12 games in a row against teams in the playoff picture. So I'm kind of getting those wafts of championship aspirations. So now I want kind of players to make a push and Jalen to become that second option. But, uh, I mean, I texted I texted you this. The Celtics need to finish... 10 and 5 in their last 15. I think now it's 9 and 5 since their win over the Pistons to become a 50 win team. And uh, that's just crazy to think about considering that where they were, how hot they've gone is ridiculous. And I just, every time I think about the Celtics being a 50 win team, it's like unbearable because before the season, if I said we're going to be a 50 win team, I'd be like, amazing year. The first two thirds of the year were just miserable for Celtics fans in the worst way losing close games and now we're going to be a 50-win team barring a giant clap so what are your thoughts on just the Celtics possibly reaching that 50-win mark even though it looked like we were going to be another 500 middling team for the second year in a row yeah it's really good to see I mean like, I have a hard time totally placing, like, what year was what year. But there was a time when, like, this was expected and we thought, like, we're going to be winning 50 games, probably one or two seed, like, as long as Tatum is on this team and as long as we have this young core. And so it's a little bittersweet, like, to think back on that and be like, this should have just been expected and it's annoying that we had to go through this time where we had to like get back to this place um and the thing would have been like assume this and then the questions are asked in the playoffs but unfortunately the questions had to be asked in the regular season still um so 
we I don't want to get too negative like it's definitely very positive from last season and the first half of this season so it's good to see but I do want to see what happens in the playoffs before we get our hopes too high yeah I mean we've seen this team go to the Eastern Conference Finals so anything less than that is technically a disappointment and losing in the Eastern Conference Finals technically is a disappointment because we've already seen that twice three times uh, including the Isaiah Thomas era, twice in the Tatum era, I guess. But, uh, yeah, it's nice to see the turnaround, but like I said, this team's been there. We've been to the Eastern Conference Finals. It's not like the Hawks last year. That was like our 2018 season. we got to get to the NBA Finals, take another step up. Uh, some quick notes. I love Ime. I think he's really good for the team. Smart's been proving me wrong. and uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Imagine. I mean, if, you're the Marcus Smart hater on the podcast. I mean, not anymore. Imagine if they had Malik Beasley instead of him. Like that'd be bad. We'd be when we were thinking about like who, what the point guard that we want was. It was kind of alarming how, when you think about it, we just like kept talking about Lonzo Ball, which was so weird because he was already on the Bulls, and that was super unrealistic. But I think that was because, like, there what there's not that many good like playmaking point guards out there that are really available and smart like it's the grass is always greener smart mm-hmm. is like a decent playmaking point guard and sometimes he takes dumb shots but you have to be okay with that when the other options kind of suck so it's he's been good and i'm glad that they didn't trade him which i didn't think i'd be saying i mean i was fully on the mike Conley, jalen brunson anyone else but Marcus bandwagon and I think that's fair because he was he's playing a completely different style of basketball than when he was before the trade deadline so I think it's fair to say our what our opinion was back then because he was shooting 10 threes a game and that is utterly ridiculous when you have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum on your team but now his shooting his amount of times he shoots a game his field goal attempts are way down his shooting percentages are going up he's shooting 38 percent from three during this stretch which is the highest of his career if he were to continue that by far his highest but he just needs to be better three-point shooter he can't be 31 percent if he's 34 to 35 he'll be all right Derek white's been pretty solid grant williams is the best player of all time robert williams and marcus are getting some defensive player of the year talk from each other i guess that's fine uh game tomorrow should be fun Ready really for count. the Luca step back game winner? No, that's already happened. Uh, we're, like we're in twice. The clear. That happened last year once. He, it's uh, once a year. We already got our once a year done. That's true. Okay, fine. So we should. Our last retirement ceremony for Paul Pierce. We got blown out by the Cavs by twenty. So let's hope that doesn't happen again. Hmm. Oh, I have one more note. This is like empty in the tank. I got nothing else left. Celtics did this weird thing at halftime last night. I don't know if you saw it, where they brought some like Celtics guys onto the court and gave them like specialized 75 anniversary Celtics jerseys. There were some weird names, like Scow was up there, Pierce, Cedric Maxwell, Wait, Posey. Why? They're not in know. the NBA 75. No, it, it was weird. They just like gave them Celtics jersey <laughs> with 75. It like made no sense. And I'm gonna give you two guesses to figure out who was the guy. There was one guy there. You thought Scow was obscure and like Posey was obscure. But they're just in town because of the retirement ceremony tomorrow, obviously, because the whole 2008 team is going to be there. But it was weird to have like Scow and Cedric Maxwell. It's like it's just kind of random reunion. But there's one guy. He's currently playing who was at oh, the reunion. I was going to say and Big Baby. He was lined up with these Celtics just the most random assortment of Celtics players. You've got a Hall of Famer on one end. you got Antoine Walker, Cedric Maxwell, great Celtics players. you got Scalabrini, who averaged four points a game with the Celtics. And you got this one guy right in the middle. Is he on the Celtics right now? No. Oh, we played at his team in the past two weeks. In that span, we played him. I want to say Isaiah, but... He's not that obscure. I don't. I don't think you would describe him like that. Who have we played? It could, 
Pistons. Probably not the Pistons. Am I allowed to look at who they've played? Yeah, you can look. This would be an all-time guess of yours because it was the most out-of-place thing I've ever seen in my entire life. If I was really cheating, I could just look at the Instagram post that they did holding up the jerseys, but I'm not doing that. No, you can't do that. Um, Okay. No, he was so obscure that he left before that picture was taken, so he's not in it. He knew something was wrong and left. His name was announced. What he did with the Celtics was announced, and then he politely left the scene because he knew it was not right. So is he just like a role guy? All right. Hornets. I don't think it's Isaiah Thomas because that it would be wrong. Pistons, no. Could be the Nets. Who would be on the Nets? Uh, I'm not going to be able to guess this. Pacers. Hawks. He was on the Pistons. Pistons? Yeah. Um. Oh, Kelly Olynyk. They brought Kelly Olenek out there during uh, halftime. Why? <laughs> He's like, they gave team was like a in the locker room. Five jersey. Yeah, that's obscene. What the fuck? <laughs> he like they're like Kelly Olenek, two years with the Celtics. They yeah, go away. He's like, I'm getting out against of here. the Heat, or was it 27 against the Heat in the playoffs? And that was it was not the Heat. It was the who Wizards. Was it? Oh fuck! God, Game seven. My random Celtics yeah. runs. Yeah. All right. uh, that's. I just felt like that should be said. That was so random. I was like, "There's that's not Kelly Olenek. It was Kelly Olenek. Weird. Very. Does that wrap it up? That's all I got. All right. Until next week.